You are listening to the Salty Witches Podcast. I'm one of your hosts tonight, Mike, and I am joined by Austin. Hello. How are you today? I'm great. Okay. It's been been an interesting day. On this episode, we are going to be discussing Hecate. Um, this is, is really probably going to be uh, an episode of the podcast that's going to be, I think, you know, really, really important for a lot of people. And then there are going to be a lot of other people maybe that are not quite so concerned or people don't really are quite not as invested in, in Hecate. But I think as uh, witchcraft practitioners specifically, everybody really needs to kind of have knowledge of this goddess because she really does appear in just about, well, really every culture, aspects of who she is and the things that she influences, the many things she influences appear in pretty much every culture, every pantheon in some form. And uh, so it, even if you don't work with her, having knowledge of this particular uh, deity is, is, I think, always going to be important for you and your witchcraft practice. So, Austin, who is Hecate? Hecate is, well, quite frankly, everything. If you're a Hecatean practitioner, you know, a witch who primarily works with worships, um, devotes to Hecate, then she is everything to you. She is the goddess of life, the goddess of death, uh, transitions, the goddess of magic. Um, but she's so many things to so many different people. I think the last I checked, she had over a hundred. I think, I think it's actually just under 300. Are you talking about epithets? Epithets, yeah. yeah just under 300 epithets. Which, you know, are titles that are stories that are given to her and, and where she what she rules over and different aspects and so so she's really everything there's an aspect for everything there's even an aspect for sandals well she has multiple epithets or aspects for different things and i, I guess to support some of what you were saying i mean i guess an epithet could be considered or could be looked at as a mask that she wears right yeah. or or something that would be a more specific around what she was doing or how you were perhaps evoking her right yeah okay yeah, all right. Where does she come from? A lot of people think that she originated in Greece, that she was a Greek deity. And, of course, we all, if we read the old stories, know that she was, before a goddess, a titan. Mm -hmm. a, one of the first, or some of us in certain traditions would say, the primordial or a primordial god. But where does she actually originate Historically, she goes back to, hell, even Mesopotamia, but also Thrace. Okay. Yeah, she was a Thracian deity before she was acknowledged, I think, and worshipped in uh, Greece, in ancient Greece uh, and other areas of the Mediterranean, certainly. Um, so, But yes, you, you are right. You mentioned Mesopotamia specifically. Um, I believe the oldest uh, known temple to, to Hecate actually exists in Turkey. Mm -hmm. If I recall correctly, and uh, you know, and she is uh, worshipped. I mean, or, or or has been, was, is, through pretty much that entire area of I would say southwestern Europe and the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. Well, when we talk about Hecate, most people get this idea of this dark, brooding figure that is looming, and that's but one aspect of her. But that's not all she is. I've met multiple witches and have conversations with multiple practitioners who are absolutely terrified of this uh, of her of this deity and and quite frankly i don't i don't get it but i can see where they're coming from but her first aspects 
of as a goddess weren't even really a goddess of death. She was a goddess of midwifery. That's why she carries a knife. Yes, uh, yeah, the, she is depicted often in uh, statuary, uh, frescoes, and things, um, usually with wielding a knife. And and yeah, the knife is actually the knife that would have been used to cut the umbilical cord mm-hmm. during the process of uh, a delivery, a delivery and birth. So, yeah. So, um, do you think that? And I, I think that there is. Um, there's still a little bit of debate about this, I think, in certain circles. People who study and work with her. I'm not just talking witches, but people who maybe would also study just the, you know, the historical significance of and her. The theological. As a and the, yes, the, certainly the theological significance the of theological. her. Um, but uh, these these associations that we have with her in a more modern context, you know, like being a goddess of the dead, a goddess of, you know, darkness, or, or having, as you mentioned, kind of that darker, broodier kind of an energy. I mean, I, I kind of often wonder if these are not really just the result of the demonization that has happened to this goddess over the last several, you know, millennia, you know, um, you know, at really primarily at the hands of Christianity, you know, as, as they did with many of the old gods, you know, Christians, other Abrahamic faiths, um, you know, were really good at turning these old gods into these, these dark, creepy, scary monsters of the night, you know, as a way, I think, of frightening pagans from from worshiping them you know this it's a it's a like a almost a method of forced conversion i guess maybe would be one way to put it but um do you feel that has any validity i think that does have validity but that's just one aspect uh, of that conversation like you said because there are aspects of her that are dark i mean she is a triple goddess and when i say triple goddess i don't mean the wiccan maiden mother crone I mean, she is the goddess of the heavens, the earth, and the underworld. And she's been depicted as such multiple ways, multiple times, in multiple different cultures. And she is a goddess of death and transition and spiritual mastery. But I think demonization does have to do with that. On top of that, if we look at pop culture, I mean, hell, even Shakespeare. That is very true. I mean, if you look at, you know... um, you say pop culture, but really you are right. I mean, she was a, a deity that was referenced in even some of Shakespeare's works uh, and many others. You know, is Shakespeare for, not pop culture anymore? For her, I would I would probably say not so much pop culture. Maybe oh. culture, but not pop culture. Okay. Um, I I would would probably say that um, you know it it is many of the the works that we see her pop up in you know along the lines of, of Shakespeare and and certainly other things that um that I think I've really kind of focused or, or or really have kind of cast her as like like she is the goddess of witches you know she is this you know uh as, as we were just mentioning kind of this darker uh not evil you know and and we talk about this a lot or we have talked about this a lot in some of our other podcasts dark does not mean evil dark does not mean bad uh, but she does definitely have a, a dark aspect you know that is that is very much a part of uh, of who she is uh, but you know for for that we also see uh, a very light aspect in her right mm-hmm. we we see uh, her particularly in her epithet of sotera i mean she is the savior you mm-hmm. know or uh, phosphoro she is the bearer of light or mm-hmm. or uh hero's peer exactly. which i'm saying wrong i think <clears throat> um well hold, hold the holy fire yeah um so Let's let's talk a bit more about epithets since we we've mentioned that a couple of times now. So so looking at this, you know, or or putting this in the perspective of uh, I'm trying to say this, making this easily understandable to someone maybe who is very new to Hecate as a deity. Um, how would you 
recommend the use of epithets in, in getting to know this goddess and working with her more closely? I would put it in the aspect of the way that a lot of pagans, quote unquote, or witches, and remember which uh, pagans and witches are not the same thing, um, utilize the idea of the divine feminine being one whole entity with different roles to play, different things they do. So if you were going to work with Hecate um, in, in, a, in a working to reclaim some of your sovereignty, you would call to her uh, in her form of Adventeia. The, 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 you know, the queen, the domineering, uh, to help you gain control over your sovereignty. Or if you were wanting to shed some light on a situation, or if you just wanted to amplify your own gnosis, you could go with Hecate Phosphoros. Um, because all these are, are these are older names um, and titles that translate to specific things. Kaleidokos, key bearer, or she of the keys. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Astrodia, uh, star weaver, walker among the stars. You know, so that's how I would explain it, is you're just working with these different epithets. You're calling on a different stream of power okay. that you have access to via Hecate. All right. I want to go back to something that I, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode when we talked about the importance of, of knowing or at least having a familiarity with this goddess. But to kind of push that a little bit further... You know, and, and I'm, I want to say, first of all, that I, I am absolutely a Hecatean witch. And in no way do I want this episode to come across as propaganda or as a sales pitch for this particular goddess. But if you are, we'll say, maybe new to witchcraft, particularly new to witchcraft, and you are at that point where you are really looking to be able to connect with a particular spirit, a deity, you're looking to incorporate that kind of work into your practice... Hecate really is really going to be one that you want to look into, mainly because of her epithets. She she has aspects. There are aspects of her as a deity that influence everything. Austin mentioned a few just now, but say you want to look into green witchery. You know, you've got the epithet of Hecate uh, Anima Mundi, who is the the world spirit. You know, if you're into more elemental work or say you like uh, particularly you know you're drawn to water witching kinds of kinds of activities you've got hecate inalia right i mean there are are so many other epithets out there that just make her so uh i think just just friendly and and and, and easy uh to to connect with to associate in any practice um now, I mentioned, I just used the word friendly, and this is something else that I would like you to maybe kind of clarify a little bit, Austin, because there does seem to be, as you mentioned a moment ago, a lot of fear around this particular deity. You know, um, everybody has this perception of her as being like this, you know, this demon in the night that's going to, like, claw your eyes out if you approach her in the wrong way or if you're not, you know. And, and I just, you know, I just, <laughs> and I, I, I really struggle with that conversation sometimes because it's been my experience, at least, that Hecate is probably one of the kindest and most patient deities that you could ever work with. You know, it's not that she can't lose her temper. It's not that she won't won't take you to task if you screw it up somehow. But she she seems to be, particularly for people who are just getting to know her, she seems to be really just just a very loving 
goddess. Yes. So what what's your what are your experiences with that? Also, my experience with that are actually very similar to yours. Um, my great grandmother and and other people that I that I love and respect worked with her, and I was never really scared of her, but the feeling I think I think people interpret fear. The, the, the idea that she's scary and she's going to get you. I think people misinterpret that with um, with truth. Because when she shows up and we have, we, we have, you know, Chris, who explains this quite perfectly. When she shows up or you call her, she sees you in everything you are she sees everything good bad ugly beautiful and she accepts it because she understands you're mortal you're mortal and she is so much bigger and vast than what our minds and even our spirits can comprehend so I think the fear that people pick up on or associate with her is just that it's that radical acceptance, which for a lot of people who have had problems being accepted their entire life can be scary. It can make you, it can make you go, okay, but like, are you gonna, are you just gonna take me in and screw me over? Like my other experiences Mm -hmm. and near the end, once you start working with her, you find out, no, she's not going to do that. Um, she, she's, she's a goddess of crossroads. And so a lot of people who end up working with her will work with her, but she in turn will then guide them to other spirits or deities that would be better, would be better suited for them. So you, you, you touched upon a couple of things there. And so I, I guess it, to sum up some of what you were just saying, she actually is kind of a nice goddess for people who are doing, uh, we'll just say this. If you got trust issues, if you're coming out of any kind of experience of trauma or, or pattern of behavior around trauma, Hecate is an amazing goddess for you to work with. Yes. She will she will pick you right where you are. She will see all the good, all the bad, and she will love you regardless, and she will help you to find your way forward. That's that's what she does. That's what she act actually she will expect that of you. You cannot work with her and stay stagnant. That that is the one thing I've seen her. She does not do. allow she, that. She will she will will leave you so quickly if you do not agree to actually do your work and to move forward. Well, and um, I've noticed <laughs> that those people who who start working with her and become stagnant, if she has taken a liking to them as much as the day as a goddess can, you know, um, she it forces her hand to disrupt the stagnancy, and. Mm. I've, I've had people who are so terrified because they started working with her and their life went to shambles. Oh, my God. Hecate is Moldavite. She is Moldavite in goddess form. Okay. <laughs> At least, I mean, if, if you listen to Lightworkers. If anyway. you listen to Lightworkers, yeah. Okay. Um, but she took their life and basically dismantled it. And they were so focused on how everything was falling apart that they didn't even realize that after the that that the dust is going to settle and when the dust settles you're going to have an entire open road and fresh fertile field for you to like plant your hopes and dreams in okay but i think it's fair to clarify this okay so you know and i i, I don't want to go too far off into 
the concept or the, the topic of the Morrigan. Okay, but you you've also <laughs> in, in the years past you've worked with the Morrigan. Yeah, the Morrigan is another deity that really kind of expects a lot of her followers. And if you're yeah. not doing what she feels you need to do, or you're not growing in the ways that she feels you should, you're gonna know. And oh, she's yeah. got she's no destroy problem you. destroying your life to yeah. make you stronger. Ideally, to yeah. make you stronger. Sometimes she'll just destroy you for the hell of it because she's, she's a war goddess. And that's she's what a she war does. goddess, and that's what she does. She loves destruction. But it's been my experience that Hecate doesn't work that way. No, she will facilitate transformation, but she is not going to destroy you in the process. No, which is she one will. Of the other reasons why I like to recommend yes. her for people that are newer to deity work. Mm -hmm. How how a good a good I guess anecdote or comparison would be how coal becomes a diamond. Okay. She takes you and the pressure you feel is a lot to bear, but near the end of that of that pressure and that hard work and time, you become a beautiful crystal beautiful stone a diamond a diamond yes. okay all right cool i mean i'm not a fan of diamonds but that's the only thing that's what pops yeah in my brain. yeah i would say the, yeah, the diamond industry is is evil yeah we'll just say that yeah um anyway uh one of the other things that you touched upon there austin was that she is it, it, historically in in some of her aspects she has been identified as a deity or a goddess of the marginalized and mm -hmm. the outcast. And that is one of the other reasons why I think she can be such a powerful uh, deity for people to work with because most of us, I think, particularly when we're younger, when we're newer, maybe we're, maybe it's got nothing to do with age. Maybe it just has something to do with experience around spirituality in mm -hmm. general, you know, where maybe we're coming out of an, a prior religious affiliation, you know, and we're, for whatever reason, we're feeling new and a little lost, you know, and in that moment, we can feel very marginalized. Mm -hmm. We can feel you know, that we have been cut away from what was, you know, a prior foundation. You know, we are we are kind of, you know, adrift. Um, you know, and that's one reason why I think that she can be such an empowering goddess for people who are just getting into their own spirituality, their own pursuit of witchcraft or other alternative faiths. Uh, because you do not have to be a witch to work with Hecate. She is a goddess of witchcraft, certainly, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you need to be a witch. Um, but one of the other things that I want to talk about focusing on, you know, marginalized peoples is, you know, she is also a goddess that is often associated with, you know, people in the LGBTQ plus spectrum, mm -hmm. people who are you know, like, uh, you know, uh, BIPOC, you know, we've got black, indigenous and people of color, you know, Hecate was definitely, if, if she were a human woman, Hecate would have been a woman of color. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There's, there's no denying that. If you look at the area of the world that her her cults and her, her worship originated, she would have been a person of color. Oh, yes. You know, and so so she is, you know, associated with people who are, for whatever reason, cast or seen as what is outside the the normal, the, the acceptable, right? You know, and so I think that that's one of the other things that makes her, again, an ideal deity. Because all of us, I think, at some point feel that way. Unless you are a... White man in America, you you probably have some concept, or you, at some point you've 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 been, you know, you know what it feels like to be marginalized. So, <clears throat> anyway, what are your what are your thoughts on that? Because I know that we we work with her directly in that capacity. You and I are both within the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Um, we also, you know, we've got some other other things going on genetically that would kind of create you know make us a little bit on the outside of what mm -hmm. would be considered, you know, the. Uh, well, I don't know where I'm going with that. Anyway, but <clears throat> so what are your thoughts on that? 
I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, that is one of the reasons why... That That is one of the biggest reasons I feel that her worship has become so prevalent. Um, there has been this rise uh, in Hecatean uh, practitioners and in Hecatean worship uh, due to just the state of the world and how we are still facing matters like racism, bigotry, homophobia, transphobia, all of these things. And she has risen or she has become more prevalent simply because a lot of the marginalized have started calling on her and working her and at least calling out for help. And regardless of they're they're praying to Mary or if they're, you know, praying to Sky Father Daddy or Flying Spaghetti Monster. The fact is, is the marginalized are crying out. And when the marginalized cry out, it signals the hounds of Hecate. And thus Hecate is called to action. Okay. All right. In working with her, okay, we've talked a lot about her as a as a deity and, and many of her, her aspects. And there are so many more. I mean, seriously, we could we could do a whole series of episodes to, to cover all there is to know you, about her. If you but, want more uh, information on her epithets, uh, Matt Aron has a Pathios article mm-hmm. on them. Yeah. So if you want more more on that, go to Matt Aron's okay. Pathios. Matt and, Aron, if on, on, on Pathios, yes. you, you also, of course, can look into the works of Cindy Brannan. Yes. Sorita uh, Deeste. Uh, these, are, um, these are all some, some well-known names, people who have worked with uh, her or have written about her. Yes. Um, all right, so in working with her, though, what would you recommend to people? And I'm talking about, like, actually getting practical. Like, we're talking, like, ritual, days of significance, some of the traditional processes, you know, that you would have followed, that you would follow in working closely with her, either as a witch or as just a pagan. What were, what would some of those be? Suppers. Her deep nons, uh, which are the dark moon. And the Numenias. You want to start honoring those. And it can be big and elaborate, but the thing is, is during the Deep Nons, you are not asking Hecate for anything other than her attendance and for her attention. As okay, a matter so, so of... Just, so just to be clear, you're saying Deep Non, yes. right? So D, I believe it's D-E-I-P-N-O-N. Yes. That's how we would spell that in English? Yes. Okay, so Deep Non. Okay. Uh, and... During the deep non, you basically call her and put out offerings to her and say prayers of thanks and hymns to her, and that's that. The next day, which is the Numenia, you clean up the offerings. Um, traditionally, you'd leave them at a crossroads, or you would give them to the poor and the impo- impoverished, uh, is what you would do. Um, but on the Numenia, you then clean your home, uh, your house, your living space, and all the dirt and the filth that you gather, you then would burn and offer up to Hecate Borboforba, the devourer of filth. These are easy things to do. One, it helps you make sure that you keep your house clean. And two, it gets you into the act of building a relationship because 
you don't just go to a god, or you shouldn't at least, when you want something. It is completely and totally acceptable, particularly for Hecatean practitioners or people who want to work with Hecate, to offer up prayers and, and honorifics and hymns and food to her just because. So that's one of the easiest ways to do it. Um, burning a candle to her. Oh, yeah. I mean, offerings and, and ritual processes to our deities uh, don't have to be complex. No. You know, I think I think there's this, this idea in some traditions that if you're going to work with a spirit like this, that you, you really have to do, like, some pretty high ceremonial kinds of magical oh, God, no. stuff. And I, I think that that's... Witchcraft was not traditionally high ceremonial magic. Well, not always. Um, and But I, I think that in a more modern... Uh, world in looking at just just the practice of witchcraft, particularly in a situation like this, and working with any deity. I think these ideas of like you know a lot of money spent and a lot of time. These are things that are really for just a lot of people just not possible. Yeah, you know I think these are ideas that go back to older practices where like there's a lot of uh, classism here and ableism here and these kinds of things. You know you're going to have people that are, you know they they for whatever reason you know they can't. You know, they can't afford to go out and spend a whole bunch of money on something, you know, or people are like, I can't stand in front of an altar for, for an hour while I do, you know, you know, fancy evocation through incantations, you know, because I, you know, I have some sort of maybe a physical disability, mm -hmm. you know, um, you've got, you know, you've, you've got to realize that as a modern or a more contemporary practitioner, you know, that it's okay to keep these things simple. Yes, Hecate most definitely. Hecate is not going to care because it is the action of the offering. It is the sacrifice you are giving to her with even just your presence that is of the most value. Um, and she's very cool with that, you know. I, I know there are a lot of other deities out there that may not be as cool with that. There are other deities out mm -hmm. there that are very particular um, you know, and you know, those are probably probably one of the reasons why I've never worked with some of those deities actually, because I'm like, I don't I, I don't like rules, anybody's rules, even the gods, I don't I don't like rules. Um <clears throat> don't tell me what to do. Um so in giving her offerings though, can you give us some examples? Like what what specifically would you give her as a process or, or as a component of the deep dawn? Garlic is traditional. Um she lo loves garlic. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been shopping at the supermarket. She's like, yes, I would just like three heads of garlic, please. And that's that's her offering. Garlics, olives, olive oil, um, red meat, honeyed fish. Um, these are all very traditional. Flowers. She's particularly fond of red roses. Roses, and I think, I think other flowers associated with death. Oh, yeah. So chrysanthemums. Um... um all of those there, things. There are, there are many of them. There are yeah, many. There, there are many. Um, okay. All right. Anything else? Would it, would it be fair to say basically that, that uh, if you were going to do an offering of food and you had it within your means, you know, to afford it and, and to be able to obtain these things, would you say it would be fair just to kind of stick with things that would have been common to, to that area of yes. the Mediterranean? So, you know, like Greek... Uh, foods, other types of Mediterranean mm -hmm. foods, um, you know, uh, that these would these would be really kind of ideal yes. offerings for food. Okay, but as you mentioned a moment ago, it doesn't have to be food. No, it doesn't. Right? Um, you mean, could you could write a hymn or a poem and offer that up and burn it to her. Okay. Um, you could you could make art. You could draw a picture. You you have so many different things that you can do 
to honor her. And it's it's not what you're doing to honor her. It's that you're doing something to honor her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is really, I think, how it should be for any, any mm-hmm. deity that you would be working with. Yeah. All right. Very nice. How about you, Mike? What would you... What is a typical dynamic between you and Hecate? Um, well, my, you know, I've worked with her for years and years and years. It's been a really long time, um, which was one of the reasons why I was really very excited when I started to see a resurgence um, in the witchcraft community particularly. I was very excited uh, to see more and more people, you know, stepping up and, you know, and calling upon her and claiming her as a goddess, you know, because I had been working with her for a really long time. And when I started to work with her all those years ago, her, her worship and, and even just familiarity with her was not common, at least not in, in, in our area of the world, you know, and so it, it made me feel pretty good. And I know, I know it helped her or made her feel pretty good too. Um, but my, my practice with her, I think it, because it is so personal, because it's just gone on for so long is, um, really kind of more again, like, I want to say like a relationship, you know, like she and I actually just kind of like, we talk to each other. You know, um, and, you know, and I have more formal things that I do in the process of ritual. You know, I, I of course, as a Hecatean, which I include her in all the spell work that I do, you know. Um, now, when you say include her, you're not calling her for assistance um, all the time, maybe just acknowledging her presence or her witnessing. More often than not, actually, if I'm doing, uh, are you talking spell work specifically? Yeah. Uh, more often than not, if I'm doing spell work, um, I'm not actually calling upon her uh, to lend power. I'm not asking her for that. What I'm actually doing usually is I'm calling upon her. I want her to notice. And, and, and when I say notice, I guess where I'm going with that is I call upon her to let her know that the working that I'm doing is kind of being done in her name. That as someone who, who, who has established the connection that I have with her, that I work with her, and that whatever it is that I do as a witch is something that is done to kind of represent her or I, I function as a representative of her you know and that's why when i you know people ask me and i say i'm a hecatean witch or i'm a priest of hecate you know i am a devotee of hecate like i take that very seriously and you know and i i think that the witchcraft that i do and the way that i i work to support our community um will show that you know you you're very much the same with the way that you know we teach you know we heal we you know we we protect we do a lot of these things and we do these things really in Hecate's honor or mm-hmm. to honor her. And uh, so, yes, so I do include her in my spell work, but but no, I would say more often than not, I'm not I'm not calling upon her, asking her, do this for me, help me with this. It really, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it is also just asking her to witness things, mm-hmm. you know, because she's, one of her other aspects is, you know, she's the watcher, you know. Um, and it can be nice to have uh, that kind of support when you're you're doing a spell, right? Particularly when what you're doing is, is maybe something that is... Uh, I don't know, working that might have you feeling a little uncomfortable. So, yeah, I don't know. But I would agree with you as far as, like, other offerings and things. Yeah, I mean, food is always a good offering, you know. And a lot of people have, have asked us over the, the years, I think, like, why food? Like, this is this is a god. They don't need human food. And you're absolutely right. But the point with giving food as an offering is not to try to feed them. The point is that that is a sacrifice because that is food that mm-hmm. you could be eating. And what you are doing, in essence, is you're saying, I am willing to do without this so that you can have this. Well, know. and if we look historically, like I like I mentioned earlier, the offerings of food more often than not were left at a crossroads or 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 or, or a hecatean, like a, a hecatean. A hecatean. <clears throat> uh, and and 
it was known that the homeless and vagrants and transitory individuals, the poor and the impoverished, who had no place to go, who did not have food, could visit the Hecatan and have a meal or get something to eat because they are Hecate's people. They are her chosen. And so if you really want to do something and you don't have the the funds to cook a meal or if you don't have the luxury of sacrificing a meal simply because of for whatever reason volunteer your time i know witches who volunteer at um hum- the the animal shelters mm-hmm. with the dogs because dogs, dogs are dogs, sacred dogs. to hecate oh, yeah, yeah. well any loves, animal at this point yeah, she, she loves she all loves of them. dogs um you know so it's it's important it's very important that we understand that it's not always a physical I am giving up something of mine for you as much as is once again the time and the attention all right so I want to talk a little bit about our personal tradition I'm talking about our co- our coven okay okay and I'm, I'm not gonna give people too much information here because our 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 tradition is is a closed practice, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I, I do want to talk about this a little bit because in, in our tradition, Hecate really is the primary power. She is the source of everything else. We mm-hmm. often refer to her as the void, mm-hmm. you know, not void in the sense that there is nothing there, but void in the sense of the limitless potential, mm-hmm. the first consciousness. Some some would refer to it as the. the the star goddess um in other traditions she would be referred to as a star goddess usually given the name diana um but in our tradition the beginning and the end is hecate yeah or what you could see like in hermeticism was say something like the concept of the all yes like so i think that because of that she is seen in our tradition as like or i guess a, 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 what i'm trying to say is a, a piece of her a part of her a facet or aspect of her is actually something that exists in every other deity yes or you know, gods goddesses whatever you know but and not just within what we would consider the greco-roman pantheon but in every culture and pantheon mm-hmm. And I know that a lot of other practitioners, when they hear us talk about these things, because we talk about this with with Lucifer as well, how Lucifer really is primarily, he is the source, the key for pretty much any other horned god. Yep. You know, if you go all the way back, you know, it really, it is, it is the the essence or the presence that we would identify under the name Lucifer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, But, but Hecate is very much the same. She is, is a, a primary source of power, a, the, the primordial goddess. And, I think different manifestations of her in all of these different cultures, whether it be Greco-Roman, whether it be Kemetic Egyptian, whether it be the Middle Eastern, the ancient Middle Eastern deities, you know, whatever, whatever, like, you know, even, even, uh, you know, within the Celtic and, and the, the Norse pantheons, we see goddesses that would have these, these roles, these archetypes that would be this piece that would be this facet or aspect of Hecate. And so once again, I want to say this is probably why she would be such a powerful uh, archetypal goddess figure to be familiar with. So, yeah. Is there anything, if you were to try to 
uh, again, you know, say, let's say you're talking to someone who would be like very, very new to her. You know, and the nice thing is, is there's so much information out there about her now, right? So mm-hmm. it's really easy to learn about her. But every time we get into situations where we have a lot of information, it's likely that a good degree of that is also going to be misinformation. Mm-hmm. So if there were anything that you had seen come up in any of your interactions with people that we're seeking to get to know her more that we haven't covered, what would that be? Like, what what have we not really clarified? We've, we, we've kind of talked about it. But I want to I want to kind of lean in on it a little bit more. The idea of the triple goddess. Mm. There's this there's this very Wiccan new age concept of the maiden mother and crone. And, you know, Sabrina, the chilling adventure of Sabrina, did not help with that aspect of Hecate. This is, this is one of these pop pop culture yeah. things that you mentioned. Yes, one of the most recent ones. Yes. Right? yes. Which don't get me wrong, I I love the show, and I, I, I love the show, and the representation of my goddess, the goddess I work with in that show, though I did not agree with it, it still brought me to tears when they would use do incantations to her, because a Hecatine... Because that's your goddess. Because that's my goddess, you know? And so, so, but this very concept of this haggard old woman and this youthful maiden and a plump mother is just so... Wrong, well, for her. Not, well, for her, yes. But because I mean, you you see that certainly within the Celtic pantheon. Well, you see it in the Celtic pantheon. Um, there are others as well. I believe through the Balkans, they also have a goddess that would have that kind of that triple aspect. Well, yes. Well, yeah. the thing is, is those are most definitely wife achievements. I don't know milestones. Life, life achievement. What are you talking about? Of a woman of a woman's life, archetypes of a woman's life. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, oh, gotcha. maiden, mother, okay. and crone. Oh, okay, and. Okay. There's so much misinformation that Hecate is a maiden, a mother, and a crone. Now, here's the thing. She's a goddess. She can be perceived however she wants. She can be shown. She can reveal herself as youthful, as old, as a mother. Because she is all those things, to me at least. But the very concept that, you know, when you're working with Hecate, you're working with this old, haggard crone of witchcraft is so... Odd, I guess, because every single time she has presented herself in a in a visage to me and has uh, has almost physically manifested, she's never old. She's never old. She's never young. She's ma- she's mature. Yeah, she's mature. Mature and very powerful. Woman. Yeah, she's very mature, very powerful. Oh my god, she almost kind of looks like Angela Bassett to me. Oh, Angela Bassett. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She looks like Angela Bassett, hmm. and she has that very powerful feel about her and there's just this idea like i've had conversations with her and she's like it's the only way that humans can understand me is this concept because we must compartmentalize so i think part of working with hecate is decompartmentalizing our belief of what she is okay am i getting too deep um, not necessarily too deep. I don't know, but you're, you No, I mean, that's good information, I guess. I, I, Did yeah. I stray off the subject? Yeah, a little. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. You kind, of, you kind of got a little tangential there, but that's okay. Um, all of that's applicable, so you're good. Um, so I guess <clears> the <throat> answer to your question is, I don't know. You don't know what you would say to a new person? I don't know. Or somebody that would be, or that we haven't covered already? I would tell them that they need to study his, the historical, the, the historical views 
of Hecate. And that they need to avoid this I this very modern, very wicked idea of her as maiden mother crone, um, and to avoid this idea that she is only a goddess of witches and witchcraft. She is so much more than that. They need to study her history, the anthropology the, the anthropology there. Okay. I think that made sense. Did that not make sense either? I, I don't know. Maybe it's been a long day. It's been a long you're, day. You're, kinda, you're, you're a little rambly. Sorry, guys. To tonight. Um, all right. I mean, no, that's, 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 you know, that's still, okay. That's, that's fair. Um, How about you? What would you, what would you say? I ask you the same question you ask me, since you are more loquacious than I. <laughs> I, I would, I would uh, probably say that, yes, that it is important to do some, some research into her origins, at least as they are documented by many of the classics. <clears throat> Beyond that, though, I think it is also good to establish a more contemporary and, of course, a much more personal practice with her, because that is really where yes. you're going to see the reward. You know, if you're basing your your worship and your your practice on Hecate from what you have read from the the Greek magical papyri Oof. or the Chaldean oracles or some of these older works, you know, which is you know fine, good info, good info. But uh, but none of that I think is really going to allow you to develop the personal connection that you mm -hmm. ideally want with this particular goddess. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that would be one of the things that I would say. Um, beyond that, I, I would again I would probably uh, encourage people to. <clears throat> Excuse me. I would probably encourage people to um, look very closely at their desire in approaching this particular goddess, in in choosing to seek her out or work with her, or in perhaps maybe answering a call to work with her, because she she will often come to you. She, she's done. That's how how it happened with me. Well, that's, I, I didn't go looking. That's how it happened with me um, as well. I worked with the Morrigan for. God, 13 years mm -hmm. and it never felt fulfilling to me i had moments you know but it never felt fulfilling and then when you and i got together things just kind of like fell into place so and when i met her when 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 you did a, a ritual and included me in it and you and you called her it was like it was like a long <laughs> A long lost friendship that was rekindling. Okay. All right. No, that, yeah, that's that's nice. <clears throat> but uh, getting back to what I was saying, I, I would encourage you, anybody who were were looking to connect with her, to to really kind of do a little bit of soul searching and ask yourselves why. Mm -hmm. um, because again, she is a very loving, a very patient, and a very kind goddess but she will also again definitely be one of these goddesses that will ask you to heal and to grow and if you're not really ready to do any of that um she's she's probably gonna say like you know the time isn't right you know mm -hmm. i i will be here when you are ready you know and and then she will probably you know make her exit um so that would be one of the other things i would probably say um yeah what are some Knowing people who have worked with Hecate and, you know, of course, you, me, um, and the communities that we're in, what are some what are some ways to know if Hecate is calling you? Um, well, she, as we very often tell people, if you are receiving the call from a particular deity, you, you will know. Um, over over the course of, of even just a few days, if you consider continue to get consistent 
signs or omens or messages from that God. Like, like you will know. They will give you something that will let you know, this is who I am. <clears throat> we always tell people, like, if you're if you're ever in question, chances are probably not that God or not not who you think it is. Um, because the, these they, they, these spirits don't tend to be subtle. Mm-hmm. Well, and if seven days are um, calling you in one week, then it's that's just not yeah, true. yeah. That is that yeah. That's also fair. If you've got like you know, as Austin said, multiple deities reaching out to you from at the different same time. pantheons. Yeah, that you might you might need to look at what's going on there within yourself because chances are all all of those different spirits are probably not calling to you at the yeah. same time. Uh, but anyway, um, I would I would probably say you know there's there is it's weird putting these kinds of things into like mundane like practical mm-hmm. terms sometimes i think because they're they're very big kinds of spiritual things but i think um there's a there's a presence with her you know i for me i mean i guess maybe that would be a good way to, to go is my personal experiences and also um you know many of, of course that I've, I've shared with other people over the years you know people who've had similar experiences and stories and they they've they've shared you know i've had a chance to talk with them about this um but I noticed for me it was uh, visitation, like you know. And the first couple times she came to me, I'm not gonna lie, I was still fairly young. I was still just a child, and um, and the first couple times she came to me, she she was intimidating. It wasn't fear necessarily, but it was almost like um, you know that feeling you get as a child, you know, where you know, like say, like you do something and you upset your the grandma that you love, you know, and you know, and you love your grandma and she loves you, and you know she'd never do anything to hurt you, but you can tell she's. She's like, you know, she's upset, right? She's not um, angry. She's She's not angry, exactly. She's not angry, but she she clearly, she needs something of you. She's, mm-hmm. she's going to be correcting your behavior in some way, um, you know? And it's not that when she came to me, it's not that she was angry, but it was very much that, like, like awe-filled child, you know, looking up at, like, this very powerful and, and somewhat imposing adult, you know, is kind of how it felt, you know? Um, but there was no mistaking, you know, that this was the same presence. And she came to me again and again and again, and, and she would come to me in my dreams. I would have interactions with her throughout the day as well, where I would, I swear, like, like I would see the shadow of a woman, you know? Um, and, you know, and other odd things, you know, like I would um, find items, you know, uh, and this still happens to me. I would find <laughs> items or things that would be, would be sacred to her, right? Um, dogs really weird experiences with dogs over the years you know um and you know and these are all things that would often have you know that that would have would would have associations with her you know and so um you know and these are stories that i think are shared by a lot of other people as well you know these kinds of experiences um but i mean i'm sure there are many others Mm -hmm. you know everybody that is uh you know approached or that feels a call to this particular deity is going to kind of have a very different uh uh, awareness of her or experience of her, at least initially. Yeah. Is it safe to say that if you're asking, and this is something that Cindy Brandon said, and I, I, I love Cindy Brandon. I, I love Cindy Brandon so much. It would be so cool if we could have Cindy Brandon on our podcast. Well, I would love to, to, to have a chat with her. Oh, that would be amazing. <clears throat> yeah. um, or even Cindy to Diesta. Diesta. That would be so cool. Oh, God. All, both of them. That would be fun. Anyway. But something that Cindy, doc, Dr. Brandon, has said multiple times when I've listened to her podcast, Keeping Her Keys, is people always ask, well, how do I know when I'm ready to work with Hecate? I know she's calling me, but how do I know when I'm ready? And Dr. Brandon always responds to her students, 
the fact that you just asked that question means you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and that is very that that is like the most Hecatean thing you could probably think of. Yeah. Like, like, well, how do I know if I'm ready? You're asking the question that means you're ready. Mm -hmm. Even if you feel unsure, even if you feel scared, or that you are unprepared, you're ready. Yeah. You know. Um, I, I had similar experiences as you to you as a kid. Now I didn't work with Hecate. My, you know, she, she she's called me my entire life, but I was an obstinate little bitch. Um, so, uh, but I would f I wouldn't I would find items, but I'd be gifted items as well. Okay. So, friends, family, um, so many other people, teachers even would always gift me old antique keys. Yeah, keys, yeah. Yeah, keys are another common one. And it was never like, oh, I saw this and it was cool. It was always, I saw this and I knew I had to give it to you. It made me think of you. Um, dogs. I, I had a dog that would follow me to and from the bus stop that was not my dog, but it would follow me and protect me. So uh, I've noticed a phenomenon with people who are being called or drawn to Hecate. Um, and it's that they there's a interaction with an, an a more mature or older woman okay yeah <clears throat> you had that interaction um i had i've had an interaction like that and so did um so did dr brandon she shares it quite often where she <laughs> was i think she was in a dressing room and or no she was folding laundry i think and like behind her she saw this old woman and then she blinked and she was gone. Yeah. Was it an old woman? Yes, like it like an older, more mature woman. Not old like ancient, but old like <clears throat> like okay. a little older than my mom. Okay. But younger than yours. All right. Okay. So um I, I think that's really interesting that that aspect usually shows up. And it, and it, of course she always shows up at a time where you are Either at the lowest of low, or you are in complete and total fear. Yeah, that, that's true. She does. She does kind of show up in those moments. I think where we're really kind of at a bad place, mm -hmm. you know. And I think she does that mainly because she is, first and foremost, she is a goddess of healing. She is. She is a savior, and you know. And it's not that she's going to save you, but she will do everything she can to make sure that you have what you need to save yourself. Mm -hmm. um, which is another one of the reasons why I love her because she absolutely forces us to be responsible for our own shit yes yeah so as a goddess of sovereignty that would make sense yeah well hopefully this information helps clarify this goddess a bit more for those of you who may be interested in working with her more closely if you are already familiar with her hopefully maybe some of the personal stories that we've shared and some of the information that we've shared will help to beef up your current practice but um yeah anyway austin thank you for talking about hecate with me yeah yes thank you I, i'm sorry if i babbled a lot guys it's been a long day yeah yeah like, it kind of has i think we say that on every episode now we, we are on every episode i think we've gotten into the habit of saying it's been a long day well i mean to be and, fair you know <clears throat> we've just we, closed up the shop yeah, for the day we, yeah, and i think for like an average day for us is like a 14 hour day yeah and uh you know and then we still have to go home and, and do more work so yeah anyway um let's let's switch gears all right what are you loving about witchcraft mike i 
You had it, and now it's gone. I, you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, I was going to say I'm loving this, but I, <laughs> saying that I'm loving this is maybe probably a little hyperbolic. You know, what are I don't you know enjoying? That I, I, yes, I, what I'm enjoying, there yes, maybe that go. would be a better word, because I don't know that I'm loving this. What are you not so hating? Me, I would say the reason that I, I, I was initially going to say I'm loving this is that it, and this is something that I just, I think, is a component of spiritual evolution, or what I what I believe and what many other people believe as, as the overall the big picture process of spiritual evolution, you know. And I guess where where I'm going with that is I'm really enjoying lately more of the interactions that I've had with people, in person, online, through lots and lots of different places, lots of different connections, where I'm seeing more and more of like of of a genuine interest and actual searching out of old practices you know i'm talking witchcraft specifically right because that's what we do um and i'm seeing a lot of people who are particularly people that were really caught up or who kind of saw their spirituality kind of derailed by a lot of the new age mm-hmm. kinds of stuff in the light worker community and i don't want to get into a you know shitty on light worker conversation here because we we do that enough but um but i'm noticing a lot of people who have been kind of caught up in some of those beliefs and practices um, you know, they're getting to a point where they're realizing that so much of that is actually hollow or false, you know, um, that a lot of it is is really primarily just, you know, manipulation and spiritual bypassing and gaslighting, and, you know, and they're looking for something truly meaningful, you know, and once they've burned through all the new age nonsense, they're, they're, they're discovering these old spiritual practices, these things that we see with you know, witchcraft and, and, and other, other types of, of older spiritualities, you know, that haven't been twisted and corrupted by light workers. Anyway, um, you know, and so, so I'm loving that, you know, and I, um, I, and again, for me, this is really primarily just another example of how as a collective humanity, uh, continues to evolve spiritually, um, you know, and I have to stay positive about that belief because, oh my God, day to day, Oh, it really just does not seem like we are evolving much. No, it does not. But but then I have these action or interactions with these lovely people, these amazing people, and I can see like, oh my god, like like this is someone who's actually do, doing it. They're getting it, you know, and um, and that just makes me very happy. You know, I, I get kind of a warm fuzzy from those moments or in in those moments. So yeah. Are you gonna do what you're hating? Um, do you have one? I don't know. Am I hating anything right now in our community? You know, the one thing I, I, I am probably struggling with right now, and this is something that's been on my mind all day today. Um, I woke up with this in my head this morning, and I think what planted it there was the Ask a Witch that we did last night. We had someone who asked us a really cool question. The question was basically what we loved most about being a witch. And, you know, and I answered that question honestly last night. And then for some reason today, I woke up thinking, what else do I really love about being a witch? You know, and so again, I've been kind of thinking about that all day today. And again, I want to say I, I love being a witch because it unlocks us. It opens us up to things that a lot of other people are either completely unaware of or things that yeah. they take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, to to counter that, I want to say that and, and to go along with or to add something maybe that I'm hating about witchcraft right now. This is bigger than witchcraft, though. This is really probably a humanity issue, or you know. You were just so positive about that. I know, I know, right? Um, You know, and don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not trying to crap on on people. Like, or you know, like, 
Like, you know, there are amazing people out there, but just as a whole... Well, the bright light casts I have, I, Exactly. And I, I have... But I have moments, though, where I, I feel a sense of frustration with uh, oftentimes humanity at large because as a witch, I've had the ability to have experiences, to learn things, to grow in ways personally that have given me the ability to see that as humans, we are capable of so much more. That we are so much bigger than we allow ourselves to be that we are so much kinder and compassionate, that we are so much more charitable and giving, that we are so much wiser, um, you know, than, than, than we really allow ourselves to be or, or than we, that we believe we are. And so I just, I have moments of frustration where I just look at just humanity in general and I'm just like, oh my God, uh, really? This is it? This is it? Like, this is the best we can do? You know, like, I, one of the things that's been on my mind a lot this week is the situation with, with Israel and Palestine, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and it's it's not the people in this situation, you know, a lot of people, you know, I've had interactions with people in the last few days, and they've, you know, they've been talking about things like anti-Semitism, like, if you speak out against what Israel is doing right now, then, you know, people accuse you of being anti-Semitic, you know, and it's, it, it, that's not it, because it's not about the people, and at this point, I really don't even think it's about the religion, you know, I really, I think at this point, this comes down to government, government, corrupt government, corrupt political power, and and greed is really what this is. These are the evils behind the situation. Yeah. You know, and you know, and so I, I just, but I see situations like this, and I'm like, oh my god, you know, as as a as a being, as a collective humanity, we are capable of so much better and so much more than this. We can we can be better than this, and and I think again. Being a witch has really kind of sharpened my senses around these kinds of things, and yep. it's it's a burden sometimes. I'll be completely honest; it's a it's a lot to deal with. Well, you have to check me all the time because I have a tendency to get really fiery and just want to burn everything to the ground. Well, I think that's why our people people tune into our podcast week after week, Austin, is because they're waiting for your next tirade. I'm tirated out, y'all. I taught my magical oils class last night, and I did a full tirade on evil MLMs and like. How if you're going to put yourself in the position to create and work with these beautiful, lovely, I'm getting emotional, beautiful, lovely plant spirits that are sacrificed to create a pretty smelling oil blend. If you're going to put yourself in that position, but you refuse to honor it or or work with an ethical, ethically sourced oil or herbal component then how how dare you even call yourself a witch why 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 would you take my class and i could tell i got like under uh, under a couple of people's skins with my like ranting and railing against mlms you know if you if you're an essential oils person you know which mlms i'm talking about but it just really frustrated me because it's just like it wouldn't get through, but it just smells so good. Cool. Do you know how they mistreat those farmers? Do you know how they don't source it ethically and they're over harvesting and that they don't actually honor anything about it? You know, they okay, don't wait. actually know okay, anything. So, okay. Is this what are you? Okay. Are you talking about what you're hating about the witchcraft community right now or what you're hating about MLMs? Oh no, I'm talking about, well, I guess I could go off on that uh, because it correlates over to the witchcraft community, but I'm tirated out, basically. Okay. Is what that came down to. No more anger. So, so yeah. All right. 
So any, anything more relevant or specific to the, the witchcraft community? Uh, yes. Well, I mean, don't go there if you don't need, if you don't need to. If it's gonna wear you out, don't do it. No, it's fine. I'll do it. I'll do it for our listeners. Can you do it calmly? I can try. I'll try. Okay. No promises. All right. Okay. So, <sighs> let's talk about what's really bugging me is the blind <laughs> ignorance when someone is called out. When someone refuses to acknowledge that they're wrong, so you know, so not so willful ignorance, willful ignorance, and then that doubling down. Yes, and doubling down when you're when they're presented with information, and it happened, it 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 happened this week with something near and dear to my heart, Florida water. There's several people and so much misinformation going around about it. I mean, we had a customer come in the shop and she was terrified, visibly shaking because she didn't know what to do anymore because she had been told by people on the internet and other people that, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And Florida waters are closed practice. And no one gets to determine what's a closed practice except for someone who is actually initiated and an elder of that closed practice. And Florida water is not a closed practice. Mm -mm. Florida water is a cologne. It was originally a cologne. The big commercial Florida water was a cologne. It doesn't go back hundreds and hundreds of years to the ancestors and, and it... And it was used to honor, you know, XYZ spirits. It's used that way now because it's a cologne and most spirits like nice smelling things. But it was just used to make you smell pretty. Well, I think you'll see something like Florida water. I mean, we, we, we call it Florida water now. But I think if you look like every culture ha has something that would be comparable to this. You know, at least as we're using Florida water now. As, something as we're that using would be it now. Like cleansing, an offering to the spirits, protective, these kinds of things. Yes, I mean, well, every culture does have that. But it's the actual f name Florida water itself. Well, it's funny to me because a lot of people I've noticed, like when I've, I've gotten into this conversation and I've pressed them on this, they don't even really know what the Florida is. No. Like, what, like why is it called Florida water? Like, I mean, we even have other witches in the area that, that are, that claim to... Other quote up. unquote they, they, witches. They bottle water and then sell it labeled as Florida water. And they tell people like, well, it's just water from Florida. You know, I mean, and uh, and we've been told this by people that come into the shop that they've been interacting with other witches who have done this. And I just, I have to shake my head. And at the same time, you know, I have to kind of apologize to these people because they clearly have been taken advantage of. Yeah. But I honestly believe these other witches, they don't really know. I think they think that really is what Florida water is. And I'm just, I'm amazed. So, yeah, but there's there's a lot but things, going on there. Everything like that. There's so much misinformation out there. And and I'll, I am someone who will stand up and I, I am an ally and I will protect those who, who need protection. I will speak out. But there's a point, y'all, where you're just wrong. Florida water is not some ancient secret that was passed down from... It did not originate with Marie Laveau 
or Raven fucking Gramasi or yeah. or Charles there's, there's Neeland. A, there's, a, there's a swear. We almost made it through a whole episode without no, an No, I already explicit. swore. I said bitch over here. Oh, that's true. Okay. Um. So, so that's not where it originated. And if you cannot, if if you are such a stubborn practitioner, but you've been putting yourself in the position of teacher that you can't admit when you're wrong, you're no better than you're no better than the people that you seek to call out. You're no better than the pastor down the road who's telling everyone that gays are going to burn in hell. And even though the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, and it's been, you know, pulled out and disproven, that you're no better than that person. Because you won't actually just say, you know what? You're right. I'm incorrect. I didn't do my research. And that's what really upsets me is because then it puts all of, all of the newer, younger, or not even younger, but just the newer, the people just coming into witchcraft or magic into this position of fear already because they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to cross the lines or step on anyone's yeah, they toes. Don't anybody. And, and I can appreciate that because I'm the same way, but I can honestly say use your critical fucking thinking skills. Yeah. Common sense and critical thinking will do you. So much good in a witchcraft practice. If someone tells you, oh, Florida Waters are close practice, you're you have all the right to respond with, Well, why? Yeah. Or and if their response or, or or prove it, and if their response is, I can't tell you because it's a close practice, then they're not a member of the close practice. Okay? A true member of a close practice will tell you, This is why, and I'm an initiated member of this close practice, and that's why I cannot speak about it. If you want to learn more though, let me take you to an elder who can speak more on it. Mm-hmm. And that is how that is supposed to work. Yeah, I, I just I just want to say like like as a rule, I, I tell people, and I realize the irony of this because I'm saying this on a podcast and we do a lot of teaching and things online through different social media platforms, but but as a rule, I would say take everything that you hear from anybody, particularly online with a grain of salt. Take that information and then do what you can to compare that to at least two other sources because somewhere between the three, you're going to probably actually get good information. Mm-hmm. Example, if you want, if you're hearing that, I'll just use an example. Hoodoo is a straight up close practice. You can't do it because of X, Y, Z. Find an actual person, an actual practitioner who is a hoodoo practitioner, and you, they're actually registered. There's an entire like database of like approved people, and talk to them, reach out to them, and let them answer your questions. Somebody built a database for this. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cometos is on there. Chas Bogan is on there. I think Cat Ironwood's on there. Okay. Um, uh, uh, that's funny because I don't remember how Cat Ironwood actually considering herself a practitioner. I think Mommy, I think Mama Sunfire might be on there too. Mama Sunfire's on there. Yeah. Okay. I think maybe I don't know, but like it's an entire thing. I could pull up uh, one of one of my friends was telling me about it, and I can pull up like what it's actually called. Um, I mean, uh, oh God, what's his name? The, uh, various various okay. individuals. It, it doesn't matter. You know, the, oh, I think the owner of Motor City Hoodoo is on there. 
You know, if you're gonna open a business and, and touting yourself as a, you know, like, I mean, if you've gone that far, you you better be legit. You know, and you and and it's so important. It's so important that you, as a new practitioner, whatever age you are, reach out and verify these sources, and just don't take it from TikTok or Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or a Facebook group, or or some, hell, even someone in your local metaphysical shop. You know. People like coming to us because we give, and we get this a lot. We're honest. Mm-hmm. We give honest, forward information. It's true. Even if it pisses you off. We'll, exactly. We'll still be honest with you. And even then, you are more than welcome to question me and get another source, and that's okay. I will not be upset. As a matter of fact, I will be happy and proud that you used your critical thinking skills to do so. Yes. Just don't argue with me because I am always right. Are you swirling your ice cubes? Mm-hmm. I see. Hmm. Anything else? No, that's really what's getting me. I'm. I'm. Th- that's really it. I love just, that we just people's inability to admit when they're wrong. Admit when they're wrong, right? Which is, I guess, not again really anything specific to witchcraft because that's just a human thing. Well, it really ticks me off when it comes to witchcraft because you are working with forces that can create harm but can also do amazing things word all right any parting words austin hell heck it's a good words okay i think we're done um we're gonna call this an episode so, again, hopefully you enjoyed listening to us blather on about Hecate and vent some uh, concerns, as always. We, we do that uh, about what's going on with our community. Mm-hmm. Um, stay tuned for, for the next episode uh, coming up in the next week or so. We will um, talk to you soon. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you.